Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss data privacy engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by the head of security and compliance of Skyflow, Daniel Wong, and we'll be discussing some of the common mistakes companies make when it comes to data privacy and security. Daniel, welcome to the show. Sean, thank you for bringing me to the show here. Awesome. Why don't we start off by having you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm currently head of security and compliance at Skyflow. My engineering background has been about building security platforms for enterprise companies. I've been at Oracle, Salesforce, CrowdStrike, Nutanix. I also had my share of battlefield experience at Yahoo and a few other SaaS startups. Um, at home, I have a family of uh, four and, uh, you know, and I have two children in high school. My role is to look for ways to get their attention and to spend time with them. Nice. Yes, I have um, two small children, so <laughs> my kids are, are two and under at the moment, so all they want is my attention, so I have the opposite. <laughs> yeah, treasure it, yes. Awesome. So I think that's a good place to kind of kick things off. Um, and, you know, how did you end up with an interest of working in, like, data privacy and security in the first place? And, what, you know, you touched on a bit of your work history, but how did you kind of go actually find yourself working in this field for, for a lot of major companies that are very well known. Thank you, Sean. I did my traditional uh, WCS degree in graduate and graduate school. And after school, I had the opportunity to work at Oracle to do data security. Those days, security was mainly a topic in uh, one of the networking courses. And uh, it was fascinating to me. So afterwards, I thought that's just a cool area. And then uh, I saw the opportunity to work at the leading company in database, right? So I started work on data security. From then on, it was a greenfield. It was one of those early days that Sobbing, Osley, PCI, many things came into the picture. Um, and my team during those you know, number of years, we built many new data security technologies to uh, address many of the compliance requirements and security requirements. Those were days, everything was a green, green field. So it was very satisfying. And uh, afterwards, I actually uh, joined Yahoo to head up security for the Yahoo's media platform, uh, which was responsible for all the portals, the My, My Yahoo Finance and some of the uh, small business websites. Uh, it was quite an experience there, a battlefield experience. Um, I really enjoyed switching between building technologies and consuming technologies. In both cases, it's all about security. So it has been a journey for me. Yeah, it's amazing. You've really been there since a lot of the, the beginning, uh, you know, going back to your days in Oracle. You know, what are some of the security technologies that your team actually pioneered during your time at Oracle? Yeah, I mean, those days when people, it used to be just vanilla database or data platform, right? So, uh, you know, actually Oracle was known for working with three-letter agencies, let's put it that way. So we were looking for ways to make it more secure. Um, of those days, database was the backend. So many folks were asking, can we do security at the backend, but not at middle tier? So many of the technologies that we built, um, I call the names, we call it um, virtual private database, secure application context, secure application role, and transparent data encryption. They all share the same theme, which is, can we enforce security at the source, which is at a database level? Um, so that has been the theme and has been pretty successful. Uh, you know, enterprises, freelance agencies love it. And, uh, and you know, yes, you know, customers love it so that because they no longer had to trust only 
the middle tier to do security. They can trust the back end to do additional level of security. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's been this, you know, huge evolution in our industry throughout like your career and, you know, even going back to the early days of my career in the, the early days of, of companies that I worked for, it, when companies were starting, the, really the first year of their operation was like setting up infrastructure. And by setting up infrastructure, I mean like actually physically like running cable and having uh, you know servers in in uh, in closets and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, you know how has security and, and compliance and privacy really evolved in uh, the time from you know where you were, we were at Oracle to today and this big shift from sort of on-prem to cloud-based solutions. It has been, there has been a lot of big changes there. Uh, when we were in the early days, let's put it that way, things were mostly on-prem, meaning whatever you want to do, you have to build technology into the software application itself because you don't have control on the operations, on many of the security guardrails that's commonplace today, such as monitoring, threat detection, artificial intelligence, right? Um, those were very limited days that only you can do, only do so much. People were building appliances. These days with cloud technologies, I mean, two big themes from cloud companies. Uh, one is the cloud scale. You almost get infinite compute resources to do the analysis. Second thing is cloud scale learning. Meaning, hey, um, I can actually learn from each other. Uh, you know, if somebody's got hacked, I can learn immediately and protect my system as well. So uh, this kind of uh, cross-pollination was not possible before. And uh, now with cloud, things change so much. And all these recent years, cloud has matured from a kind of a, a niche area to many enterprises. And they are, of course, you know, Salesforce is one of them. Leading enterprise offerings are all using cloud today. And more and more folks are comfortable using cloud. In fact, I would argue that with cloud, you have more security technology options than on, for on-prem uh, systems because of the nature of the elastic compute resources and the cloud sharing. Um, capabilities there. Mm -hmm. And does but does moving to cloud, you know, open up I guess like new types of security vulnerabilities that weren't there in the on-prem days? I think that's a um, that's a one area that is debatable, uh, because even when you deploy, you so-called use uh, Amazon Public Cloud, there's a way to configure it so that it is really isolated from the rest of the systems. You can deploy things as private cloud as well. So the line is becoming very fuzzy. And, but, the, but one thing is the cloud resources will allow you to leverage many of the new cloud technologies out there. And uh, to, uh, so, so there's a lot of new technologies you can explore when using a cloud uh, platform. Yeah, it seems like the speed with which there's like innovation going on in cloud today is like no one can even really keep up with it. It's just an amazing amount of, of growth and there's new types of tools and technologies all the time. Absolutely. I mean, you know, to, uh, to use cloud technologies, basically we do a few clicks and install um, uh, things on the cloud pretty easily. The old days, we have to install something on-prem. You have to purchase machines, configure things. You have to hire consultants to install your, your product. Uh, the philosophy is just very, very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sort of transitioning to what you're actually doing today, what does your job entail as head of security and compliance at Skyflow? Yes, thank you. My main role is to secure customers' data. Uh, you know, customers entrust their data to Skyflow, and we promise to take care of the data, right? So uh, you know, we take care of most sensitive data, credit card data, health data, and personal data. 
So uh, my role is to make sure that those are secure as we have promised. There's a couple of ways that I, a couple of things that I do to achieve that. One is to lead a team of um, passionate security uh, technologists to make sure that we have a proper security architecture of our products. Uh, how we handle our encryption keys, how we handle our APIs, how we handle authorization, how we, you know, how do we handle service server security. So a lot of this is building to the product and we make sure that things are you know, designed according to good established patterns. Next thing that we also do is um, making sure that with all the design, good design in place, now we have to make sure we have the proper security guardrails in place. The infrastructure layer, the networking, the, um, the threat detections, trust but verify, right? So we do all the prevents, can we do all the detections, right? So, uh, and how can we respond quickly to minimize any damage? So I look at the entire life cycle of our data and how we can protect them at any point in the life cycle. Next thing I also do is um, our GRC program, making sure that we have the proper, you know, compliance, uh, you know, program in place to make sure that we speak the same language as other industries uh, to make sure that, yes, you know, we can demonstrate and we can show that we are operating at the best, uh, you know, the state of the art technologies, basically, to make sure that we have the trust and we earn the trust from our customers. All in all, though, I want to make sure that security is part of our DNA. Right, so uh, there are not many companies that treat security as a top business objective. For us, it is, right, because the whole company is about securing data. So uh, I want to make sure that security part of DNA in part of our development lifecycle, organization, operations, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Can you maybe give some examples of how this has been baked into the DNA uh, Skyflow in terms of you know, how things are organized or maybe the tools and processes that are used? Absolutely. So um, there's a ter uh, secure development lifecycle. Uh, that's one of the key areas that I would call out, right? So uh, making sure that anytime there is a uh, development work, a project, a change in our environment, we do the proper analysis throughout the entire cycle of the, of the project to make sure that, you know, we maintain the top security uh, uh, posture uh, of our of our service, basically. So we have baked in, you know, cycle analysis, secret scanning, all these things from the source, from supply chain, all the way to how we operate, how we detect operations, detect anomalies, right? So uh, our organization structure is, um, is organized that way. Our objective, OKR, is aligned that way to make sure that, you know, the way we operate security is like running a finance team. Everything's end-to-end. -end. We have accountability at all stages of the cycle. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that at most companies, you know, security is not necessarily like the top-tier objective of the company and not necessarily baked into sort of the culture and the DNA. So as a result of that, what are some of the common mistakes that you see companies making when it does when it comes to, you know, security and privacy? Yes, that's... a. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. So I feel I see a few um, areas that um, that is commonplace. Uh, there's some a misunderstanding there, or or some some areas, some gaps. I think first and foremost is some folks look at security as a feature. I mean, it is you have to build something, but uh, a lot of times in product companies, when security is a feature, people tend to look at um, uh, let me. Uh, it's a feature that let's edit the feature later. Uh, it is an MVP, so I can add this feature later. 
or it's a feature that we need to get funding, we need to get the resources. And so some people look at security as a feature. So that's one common uh, misunderstanding that I see. And the next thing I see is, um, you know, the next thing you will hear about sometimes is, what is the MVP for security, right? So um, what is the minimum that I need to do to, um, to, to check the box, basically, right? So that's another uh, common mistake that I see uh, is, is there. And, um, you know, for, and I would say that I'll just add one more, which is, um, I would, you know, because we are, we talk to, we speak to a lot of, you know, customers in, uh, you know, working on compliance. Some folks look at compliance as a, you know, not a good thing. It's a bad thing. Uh, cumbersome, burden, however you look at it. But uh, maybe because it was me, I, you know, I really look at compliance as one of the ways to make sure that there is a, um, you know, level of minimum effort put into the security. So uh, some people look at security as a burden. When you look at security as a burden, you look at it differently than security is objective, right? So uh, these are common mistakes that I see uh, in the field about security, uh, you know, from from the company executives especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember in the uh, like in the you know twenty twelve or something like that, right around the same time that I was uh, doing my own company. Uh -huh. um, at the time, uh, virality was uh, something that was really popular because of the growth of companies like Facebook. And at the time, everyone was thinking of oh, why startups were were basically destroyed by the idea of thinking of virality as a feature or something that you can kind of tack on and not really baked into sort of the culture and the core of the, the product. And I think that's like a similar theme that you see across things like, like security, compliance, privacy, and so on. Absolutely. I mean, I see security as a theme. Uh, it's not a one-stop shop. You cannot just do something and forget about it. And um, that's the consequence of the mistakes, right? If you look at security as a one-time uh, feature or MVP, a lot of times people move on. Okay, I finished this feature, I need to work on the next feature, right? It becomes something that is just sitting there. It's like, uh, let me just add a line to do encryption and uh, let me forget about it. But these days, security is more than just encrypting a number. How do you do key management? How do you maintain the life cycle of the encryption keys? And how do you do monitoring? Because one of the few known big uh, breaches, I mean, yeah, they got hacked, but the worst thing is they did not know, did not find out until like nine months later, right? Think about the damage that can cause. As a security practitioner, we really think that, yeah, we put in all the preventions, but uh, the rest of the security guardrails are needed. The monitoring, uh, the patch management, the response uh, detections, we need to do all these uh, additional work. So it's much more than a one-time event. It's about the entire uh, theme. Uh, I would treat it as like legal or finance. Uh, you don't just pull someone out like, can you do add some numbers for me? Uh, no, the answer is uh, you need a dedicated person to look at the security as more than just a one-time feature. It is a theme of the company to make sure that we protect customers' data and earn their trust. Right? Once you lose the trust from your partners and customers, it's very difficult to recover from it. Do you think that that is potentially the biggest consequence of making these kinds of mistakes, the loss of trust with customers? Yes, business-wise, loss of trust basically is almost one of those Especially, you know, if you are in fintech or healthcare field, uh, there'll be a single biggest uh, business risk to those companies, right? So, uh, and it is a, you know, uh, life, live or die kind of matter, you know, uh, decision basically. Mm -hmm. So how can companies 
that obviously don't want to have these problems, <laughs> how can they prevent these mistakes from actually happening? Yeah, I mean, this is a great point. So um, I would argue that um, business, uh, I would say company dynamics, basically. Um, if you want to be serious about something, you find an owner to own it and do it and drive it, basically. And having not having an owner is very challenging. Having a dedicated owner, someone who's mm -hmm. going to own security, and make sure that uh, the data is secure, the customer data, the company data, uh, they'll go a long way to align the business objectives, uh, you know, have some a internal champion to do the right thing uh, for the data. Um, so that would, to me, is a crucial step. And uh, you know, understanding that, hey, this is a not a one-time uh, project, it is a commitment, the business commitment to the area. I think they'll go a long way to send the right message and align the company um, uh, operations and objectives to achieve a good security standard. Mm -hmm. And at what point does it make sense for a company to hire someone like that? Yes, uh, it really depends. Uh, I would say that the good news about security is there are many patterns out there that people are supposed to follow. In fact, we will argue that do not reinvent the wheel. Don't reinvent your own encryption algorithms. Don't reinvent your own way to do you know, secret hashing. Uh, we usually look for uh, patterns that we can follow. Now, it depends on what business you are in. You have to look at, my suggestion is you can look at uh, your business uh, industry that you are in, the data that you handle, right? Look at the compliance requirements there. Um, if you are just one of the, you can use one of the established patterns, then uh, it should not be difficult to just follow. And uh, then, um, then likely you just have a need to have a competent um, person who can you know, understand enough about the security regulations and just follow the established patterns and use the proper tools there. But if you are in anything that's building a new kind of industry, new technology, new business, and a lot of times when you have to deviate from some established patterns, and if, or if you have heavy compliance requirements, uh, because compliance is, itself is also not a one-time audit events, right? Compli many compliance will require you to operate consistently at a certain level. So in that case, when you are in one of those industries that have heavy compliance requirements, it makes sense to have someone staffed to own and drive to make sure that you're on top of those uh, requirements, both security-wise and compliance-wise. Hey, it's Sean, host of the show you're listening to. First and foremost, I hope you're enjoying the interview. And if you are, please support the show by subscribing and leaving a positive rating and review. And if you want to keep the conversation going, join our community at skyflow.com slash community. Okay, that's it for me. Now back to the show. So it sounds like, you know, depending essentially on the, how sensitive the data that perhaps that you're storing or how unique your requirements are, that sort of dictates the time in which you might need to hire an expert to do this versus following sort of tri tried and true and well-tested patterns for security. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, with the companies that you've worked with, uh, you know, at Skyflow or, you know, in the past, how are people thinking about, you know, their motivation around data security and data privacy? Is it, is it mostly about compliance or are they other motivating factors? Yes. Uh, behind it, I mean, the true objective should be security and privacy. But, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the field, compliance, regulatory compliance is a key driver for many of the effort here. Because some people, as you know, one of the common mistakes was to 
we understand security as a just a compliance checkbox, right? So, um, so this is the reason that most people or many folks look at it as a compliance uh, requirement. Uh, but for those who are into businesses that require a lot of customer trust, like uh, finance, like healthcare, I think those will hopefully will look at security and compliance as more than just a compliance thing. They really need to make sure that they earn the trust and keep the trust from their customers. Um, yeah, so I, I see a lot of this from the compliance driver, but uh, but uh, yeah, but I think the comp the industry is learning that yeah, you know, we really have to beef up our security and, and privacy to make sure that we can, you know, we can continue the customer's trust. Mm -hmm. So beyond just investments that companies might make in terms of, you know, having a security or compliance expert, or maybe, you know, following some of these existing patterns, are there specific tools and technologies that companies should be investing in early on to help, you know, reduce the uh, risk that they're taking on as they start to scale? This is a great point. And, uh, it is back to this build versus buy uh, question. And uh, of course, you know, you know, I believe that we should leave the subject, leave the difficult problem to the subject matter experts. That's why we don't reinvent the wheel on authentication and on encryption. We use what people have established. And uh, same to our Skyflow. We believe that we can do a much better job than you know, other small companies with limited resources and time to build their own vault. And uh, it is a build versus buy decision. You have to look at what is the skill and resource gap in your company, in your situation, and decide, is it worth my time and effort? And do I even have the right people to do it? And can I maintain a long-term focus on this? Uh, or is it going to be something that you'll finish and finish meaning you'll get certain things done and move on, right? Um, it is a few first by decision, but I do believe that um, as much as you can, uh, especially it's quite difficult and challenging, expensive to find folks, uh, different people with different expertise in different domains of security. Many times, including myself, we look for the right tool for the right job. If there are areas that you know, I may not know well, I'll look for the right tool to help me to get there, to, to, to you know, have better maturity on that security domain. Right? But there are things that it is a core business objective. Uh, it is a core work that we should own long-term, then yeah, you know, then we'll do it, we should own it ourselves. So it is a good decision that we'll need to rely on the, the owner that I've described, the security owner or the leader uh, will have to decide. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking about, uh, you know, we, talk, we were talking about, you know, tools and technologies that companies should invest in today to solve this problem. Are there future technologies or developments that you're excited about in this space? Security, certainly. Uh, one area is uh, privacy enhancing technologies, PET. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, differential privacy, secure multi-party compute. Uh, you know, there are people speaking to us about requirements in this area. It's super exciting and uh, still maturing, basically. Still people are building things, researching how we can efficiently do the calculations and what is the user experience is going to be like, right? What is the security model? Um, so all this technology is very exciting and I'm uh, looking forward to, you know, take baby steps, learn about basic use cases, how we can solve those and expand from there. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the stuff that's going on in the privacy enhancing technology world, you know, a lot of it's, you know, research that was started 30, 40 years ago, like in, you know, sometimes in the 70s and 80s, and we're really only getting to a point 
uh, you know, partly through the power and scalability of cloud yes. that we can actually build sort of practical applications based on, on some of these uh, things like federated learning or, um, you know, secure multi-party compute. Absolutely. I mean, with the resources in cloud, they are now people are trying to, now people are moving to cloud. They're looking for ways to mitigate the risk. In the past, they would say that I don't want to move. Right? I want to keep running at my on-prem data center. I want to keep only my machines. So these days, you know, there's a lot of mind, mind share about moving things to cloud. So instead of saying no, people are looking for ways to, okay, I'm going to move to cloud. What technologies would I need to make sure that my things are going to stay secure? Right? So that's where a lot of these technologies will be uh, interesting and will have a market for people to really take the baby step to learn how they can leverage it. And, um, and to use them. So I think we are, you know, right on about people starting to explore these new technologies. And as soon as there's adoption, uh, small adoptions, people, is, you know, will, it will fly, you know, it will start flying. It will start having a lot of adoptions and, uh, acceptance and it will drive the technology to grow fast. Yeah. I think it's definitely an exciting time sort of in the data privacy, data security space with, uh, you know, a lot of companies doing interesting things and a lot of interesting things coming out of research and now actually being able to be realized in sort of commercial and, and practical applications because of the power of cloud. Yes. Um, beyond sort of future technologies and developments, are there big gaps in data privacy today, data security today that maybe are not even being addressed by some of these future technologies, future uh, looking technologies? Yeah, I mean, there are areas that I'm certainly looking forward to uh, the additional development work. Uh, development meaning more, yeah, uh, more maturity. One is a lot of the privacy requirements, uh, they are kind of, you know, in the early stage of defining those requirements. If you look at PCI, uh, the, 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 the controls are very clear what is needed. But if you look at privacy, a lot of times it's up to the, up to someone to interpret it. So, uh, you know, we are still in the early stages. We have the objective defined. But how we can map the objective to the uh, technology and what are the best practices that we can deploy the technologies to achieve the privacy objective. I think those is still being worked out. And uh, as we, as people put together use cases and uh, put together the, uh, the objective, hopefully uh, going forward, there'll be more consensus about how technologies can be used to address which specific privacy concerns. Once we have those mappings, it's going to be much easier for people to uh, define solutions and for people to start um, refining those solutions. I think we are still in the early stages of defining the requirements and trying to map the requirements to technologies. That's one part. Another part that I'm really looking forward to, if you look at uh, authentication, because of OAuth, SAMO 2.0, because of standard, things you know the technology adoptions can go very fast. I think many privacy technologies um, uh, including vaults and are still in the early stages. Um, so there's no specific standards in between systems. People have to do their own integrations. Uh, I'm looking forward to a day where we can express the privacy rules as some well-formed, um, well-defined rule sets. And uh, yeah, perhaps different systems can talk to each other and they can enforce properly enforce their own local uh, local policies. Right. Imagine these are, you know, instead of just someone collecting the request and go to a different system to make some changes, hopefully the system natively understand the request and make some changes and, you know, responds back to the, uh, to the, perhaps, you know, 
these are service. So uh, looking forward to the day where many of these will become more uh, operationalized and then, uh, you know, and uh, with a better mapping definitions defined, then I think the technology will be much easier for, you know, uh, for people to adopt basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a lot of the things around, um, you know, privacy, compliance, uh, the rules and regulations and definitions of things are still kind of early days. Yes. Uh, the even, you know, trying to get people to uh, define and agree on what, you know, specifically what de-identification is can kind of vary from uh, regulation to regulation and so on. Right. Exactly. I mean, so uh, people have their own interpretation. That's the part that the good news is innovation. People are coming up with new ideas, new ways to solve problems. But uh, on the other hand, I mean, there's a lot of uh, engineering work needed to do integration between different systems. And uh, some work, I mean, as you know, putting a uh, band-aid on is not the most efficient way and secure way to fix problems. So uh, we have to manually uh, or, you know, use integration to patch some systems to address some security and privacy needs, right? I mean, so the, I expect the next generation of tools and systems, um, they'll be more integrated. They can really have some central policy that people can, different systems can enforce policies locally. That'll be the holy grail. Yeah, I mean, it, I think this is kind of like a natural evolution of, of technology. If you look at even something like um, HTML, like in the early days, there was things in the spec that were left to uh, people's interpretation that were implementing the spec. And that's why you ended up with very different rendering of web pages on you know, Netscape versus yes. um, uh, versus uh, IE, right? Explorer and, <laughs> and so on. Yes. Uh, I'm glad that we moved beyond those days, but yeah. you know, I think we're kind of in those early web days when it comes to some of these, uh, you know, uh, definitions in in the privacy realm. Still, no, absolutely. But on the yeah. other hand, for us, you know, it's fun to be at the cutting edge, right? That's mm -hmm. why that's why we are doing all this work to try, you know, to look at the best way that we think we can solve that problem, and uh, and event evangelize it so that customers can understand how we are approaching it. And yeah, and establish good patterns. I think that's super exciting. So, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So as we uh, start to wrap up here, you know, if someone listening to this is interested in learning more about data privacy and security space, maybe for their own company or maybe even for their career, uh, where should they go and, and look? Yes, a, a casual way to do it is to listen to podcasts like this one you from you, Sean. Uh, I think this is going to be a good, you know, 20, 30 minutes session and a quick overview of the domain and the concerns and the areas, right? But other than these kind of uh, more casual podcasts, uh, there are good resources online uh, from Cloud Security Alliances, from NIST, uh, from CISSP, uh, from PCI Console. There are many, uh, you know, these resources, they all have, they all basically touch upon very similar areas of security and privacy guardrails. So uh, those are really good um, uh, materials that uh, you know anyone can you know can follow up, and uh, certainly if there are specific areas you can go deep uh, into specific areas. Security is fascinating. There are so many interesting deep areas that you can explore. But I think these um, online resources are good starting points. Yeah, uh, that that's great. And uh, thanks for mentioning the the podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, besides the fact that you know I I started this and I'm hosting it. You know, I I use podcasts a lot to learn about, you know, what's going on in the industry, new technology, things I'm interested in. And even um, before I had uh, interviewed at Google and joined Google, I used podcasts a lot to kind of ramp up and learn some of the infrastructure stuff that I 
was less familiar with and kind of know what was the state of the art. And, you know, from those kind of general discussions, you can go and dive deeper into these online resources as well. Fantastic. No, I, I do this as well. So this is very nice. All right. Well, anything else you'd like to share? Uh, no, um, I think this is, this is a very good session. Thank you for bringing me here. I look forward to uh, coming back to you to talk about our next generation um, Skyflow offerings. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining, uh, Daniel. I always I really enjoy our conversations. You have an amazing uh, you know, breadth and depth of experience. So you always have something interesting to share and I always learn something new. Thank you, Sean. All right, thank you.